But, um, you know, it's amazing. It's amazing. I watch those baptisms. I'm like 305 years. Like when we do two a year, we are scrambling for people. Is there anyone who's become a Christian at River City Church or that you know or whatever? And uh, I see that and I'm like, man, that is, I want that. Like I want, I want more people baptized. I want people coming into the church, not from other churches, but from the lost world, from darkness coming into to light, right? And this whole overflow series is about that. The whole series. And today is about the how. How do we do this? What does this look like? And it's not rocket science, right? It's just a paradigm shift. And we've been talking about that. I'm going to talk about that again today, how it's God exercising uh, in us through our gifts, talents, abilities, the things that he's given us uh, with power. It's got to have power in there. So I'm going to talk about that a little bit and how we discern who we are and what God's called us to do. But it really is just a paradigm shift. And uh, having an awareness as the Spirit moves and speaks to us like, oh, this is an opportunity. Like, this happened to me yesterday. I, was, um, I drove to get my hair cut. I got them all cut. And um, I was sitting there. I rode my motorcycle because it was an epic day and there's no one on the road. And um, I was sitting there in front of Bold Bean getting ready to go, dressing up. And a guy comes running over to me, okay? And he starts talking about, have you, are you going to do this ride? I had no idea. Was, I was like, oh, man, I'm not. No, I've never been able to do it. Just kind of like, I don't look like a dork on a motorcycle. And he goes in to talking about all this adventure riding that he does uh, with the same kind of motorcycles I have and what I love to do. And he's talking and talking. I'm like, this is crazy. Like, I want to get out of here. Like, who is this guy? And, and um, just listening to him. And he's like, well, would you ever want to go on a ride? Like, I'm like, where? He's like, well, we'll go across the state. We'll spend the night. And then we'll come back. And I'm like, what? Who is this? He's inviting me to go on a trip and spend the night? He might be witnessing to me, and I don't even know it. And so, and so um, I keep, I'm like, yeah, that'd be great. I can't go on Sunday. And that was the hook. I was waiting for him at that point. Why can't you go on Sunday? Because I'm a preacher. Do you know Jesus? Right? Didn't ask it. And he goes, that's all right. I have days off during the week. And I was like... Man, that'd be awesome. Uh, yeah, I'll switch information. And I'm thinking, am I literally like imagining him emailing or texting me and just making an excuse like, oh, man, I'm busy this weekend. I'm already doing this. And, um, and then towards the end of the conversation, we start talking. And he, she, he uh, told me his name. I told him my name. And he goes, oh, I know you. And um, I go, what do you mean you know me? He says, well, I was at a wedding you did um, a few uh, months ago, and I was there, and my wife is so-and-so, so-and-so, and she was in my Young Life Club whenever I was doing Young Life, and she said, and then he goes on to say, and we just had a baby, our second one, four days ago, and he's having surgery on Tuesday, right, and so now the Lord's just like, this is easy, he's like lobbed one up for me, and, um, and nevertheless, I just didn't catch it, I just whiffed at the ball, and, um, you know, and we ended up talking some more, and it turned out we had all these connections. Like, there was a guy walking in, in, in Bull Bean that he knew that I'd met the day before, who's a non-believer, uh, from the restaurant I was working in. He's the owner of the restaurant. And I'm just like, this is crazy. Like, all these connections. Still, just blew it off, went home, didn't think about it, right? And uh, I'm in the shower this morning, and the Lord says to me, you're supposed to go pray for that baby. And so I'm like, all right. I'm speaking on evangelism, 
I better take the opportunity. And so I just texted him this morning, and I said, hey, this might sound weird. I know you don't really know me, but um, I was wondering if I could come up and pray for your baby and the surgery. I know that's scary. I had two of my kids um, that had to have surgery. And he wrote me back, and I was like, oh, my goodness, this is going to be weird. And he wrote me back. He's like, absolutely. I'd love for you to come pray for us, pray for our baby. And instantly... Just through God, through his power, I missed it. I totally whiffed on it, right? Through his power, through his love, through his spirit speaking to me, through his power, he just turned a key and the doors opened and I just walked through it. That's how we evangelize. Okay, that's what evangelism looks like. That we have a paradigm shift. We begin talking with people with the agenda of loving them, caring for them, and desiring for them to know Jesus. Now, I don't know where this guy is. You know, I really don't. I'm not going to Jesus juke him, you know. I'm not, like, pretending to be anyone. I'm going to go and love him. I'm going to go and love his family. I'm going to go and love and pray for their baby and trust Jesus with the results. Same, same way when we pray is that it's only the power of God that transforms life. It won't be anything that I pray. It won't be anything that I say. It won't be anything that I do. It will be the power of God that moves into our relationship and brings transformation. It will be Jesus that is drawing him to himself. He belongs to Jesus, not me. I am just a vessel that he is using. That is how we do evangelism. That, it's not about the right formulas. It's not about the right words. It's about experiencing the power of God and bringing that power into play and all the relationships that we have. I want to read. No, I'm not going to read that. I don't have a lot of time. I'm skipping that. All right. The title of chapter six in this book that we're using in the Overflow series. And I would encourage you to go back and read. I was going to touch on those, um, kind of unpack them a little bit. But we don't have time. But remember the first week was talking about waiting on the power of the Spirit and how we can get ahead of God. But we need to wait because in waiting, he'll pour out power like he did with the disciples. If we want to do the things of the disciples did we have to have the same power that they have or that they had. And then um, I talked about risk, um, and then I talked about moving from actually crisis to comfort, that Jesus moved into our crisis, that he sat, was sacrificed. Uh, he left the comfort uh, so that we could experience his love coming to his comfort. And then in that, we experience a deeper gospel. It's like a bottle of wine. Right, And we talked about that when we first we become a Christian, we taste this. We've been drinking water. We taste, you know, three-buck chuck, not good wine. And we're like, this is amazing compared to water. I love this. And we settle for that. We settle for three-buck chuck when there is wine that is epic, that has sat, that has matured, that has grown deep. That is the gospel we're called to. That is a deepening experience of the gospel in our life will lead to bringing a deeper experience to other people. And we said the gospel we live is the gospel we give. And Brian, last week, had, I told him, I said, this is maybe, I, oh, I said, that's the best talk in evangelism I've ever heard. It was amazing. It was, you have to go listen to it. It was incredible because he talked about, in a loving way, the importance of holiness. And that holiness, pursuing holiness and obedience is not legalism, it's love that we obey because of love, and we call it legalism because we don't want to obey. And we just want to exercise like free grace, which is a lie from the enemy, and we never mature, 
into that deep, rich, wonderful person that God has called us to be. And then he said, when we look like, when we are holy, we look like Jesus more and more and more. And people are drawn to him, drawn to him through us more and more and more. And that's why holiness is so important. Okay, and so this week, the title of the talk is How the Gospel Goes Out. And um, I've just told you, it goes out through you. And one of the quotes in the book says this. When people are released in their gifts, Jesus becomes unleashed on the world. When people are released in their gifts, Jesus becomes unleashed on the world because he lives in you and through you. C.S. Lewis said this. I love this. He said, there are no ordinary people. You have never talked to a mere mortal. He has another quote that talks about that we are all eternal beings. Every single one of us will live forever. Every single one of us will live forever. But we will live in different places based on our understanding and experience and relationship with Jesus Christ. But you're not ordinary You are not ordinary. You are not just flesh and blood that goes to work, that makes money, that comes home, that has dinner, that does a family thing. That might be how you're acting, but that is not who you are. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you is the hope of the world. You are the hope of the world. I mean, that is incredible that you are God's plan A. And that I am God's plan A, right? Because we know our sin, we know our brokenness, and we allow those lies to define us. We allow the enemy to say, this is who you are. But that's not who you are. That's not who you are. Christ lives in you. And you are not, you are not, you are not just a human being. You are a powerful force for the transformation of people's life. Many of us, when we talk about evangelism, and we talk about, you know, you hear Tone speak and how he shares the gospel, and he shares it with everyone. I've been with him at lunch and stuff. The waitress comes up, and he starts sharing the gospel. I'm like, oh, man, this is uncomfortable. (laughs) And he is an evangelist. He has the gift of speaking, and he's amazing at it. I love to speak. When I share the gospel with people, it is verbally. You know, the way Peter shared the gospel was verbal. But that doesn't mean that that is the way that you will share the gospel. Those are our gifts. And every one of us has been given gifts that are unique to you, that are unique to you and that the church needs for you to operate in if we are going to accomplish what God has called us to do. Okay? Uh, Ephesians says this, 4, 7, 11 to 12, and 15 to 16. But grace was given to each one of us. That means you. Grace was given to you, okay? Each one of us, everybody, according to the measure of Christ's gift. Christ gives them, and Corinthians talks about this too. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers to equip the saints, why? For the work of ministry, which is sharing who Jesus is and inviting them into a relationship with him. For the building up of the body of Christ, Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into into Christ. And so when we begin 
to share the truth and love and minister to people outside of the kingdom of God, we become more like Jesus. The more we pour ourselves out, the more Jesus will fill us up. The more we pour ourselves out, the more he will give us power. Presence happens when the church is together. We experience the presence of God. When God begins to speak truth over us about our identity, about our gifts, that is the power of God. But the power of God is given to us to manifest the kingdom of God outside of this church. That is why we have power. That is why we're given power. That is why the gifts of the Spirit exist, to bring the kingdom of God outside of the church. Now, it doesn't mean when the presence of God falls, right, it's powerful. And it speaks to us. It equips us. It reminds us of who we are. For the purpose, though, of witnessing, of sharing your story outside of, what, of, of these walls. And it says the body grows. How does the church grow? How do people come into the kingdom? When each part, each part does its work. And so this calls us to unity. This calls us to unity with God and repentance. This calls us into something that is unusual in the world. And when the world sees it, they are drawn to God's love in our church and in us individually, in our relationships with our family, with our children, with our friends that are believers. You see, Jesus left the earth. Jesus left the earth, but he left the earth to us. He left the earth and ascended and is sitting at the right hand of the Father right now, but he didn't leave the earth just to leave it Hope that it happens for him to pray for it. No, he left us the earth. He replaces his life on earth through our lives as the gifts flourish. He continues his ministry through the powerful outworking of the gifts of the Holy Spirit in a way that is unique to you. Slide, uh, there's a slide, Ephesians 2. 10, that says this. We are his workmanship, which means his piece of art, Okay. I mean, unlike any other piece of art, if you tried to paint a painting, you could not 100% duplicate it, could you? The best artist could not duplicate it. So that's what this verse is saying, is that when God made you, whenever he formed you, whenever he thought of you, and he created you, he, you are his piece of art. And there's something about you that is beautiful in a way that is unlike anyone else to him, that brings joy to him. Okay, and he says, for we are his workmanship, Created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. In order for God to accomplish his mission, this is in the book, God gave you a unique set of gifts that are strategically meant to fill a U-shaped hole as the body of Christ collectively fills the Jesus-shaped hole left in the world after his ascension. This is a great picture, right? This is a great word. So basically, there is a part of River City Church that you occupy, okay? If we're the circle and we're all these dots in the church, and you're one of those dots, there's no one else that will fit in that dot. There's no one else that can be that dot. That there is a U-shaped vacuum in River City Church that will remain a vacuum of not being helpful in the community if you don't exercise the gifts that have been given to you. And when you do, we as a church fill the vacuum, fill the hole that we fit into Jacksonville with. And that's amazing. 
That's, I mean, think of how personal that is. I was thinking about this. It was like there's this amazing play, this, I mean, amazing movie. This is how God sees it. Aunt Lev created this movie, and you are my star. You're the lead, baby. You, I mean, the whole thing revolves around you doing your thing, finding joy in your thing, playing your part. And when I, I mean, I picked you for this role. And it's so important that you play this role because nobody else can. I've made you for this role. Okay? That's true for all of us. You are God's star in the play that he's created for you to play in. You are the lead. When he looks at you, you are the lead actor. You are the lead actress. And there's no one else in this play that he's creating for people to see, for people to come and watch. There's no one else that can play your role. Now, you think, well, I'm just the dude backstage, like, putting people's shoes out or getting makeup ready or, like, let's dress. Here's your jacket. That might be your gift. But in God's eyes, it's a lead role. In God's eyes, everything's revolving about around who he made you to be. It goes back to that saying that I believe, like, you're God's favorite. I'm God's favorite. I'll just tell y'all. I am God's favorite. I know you are, but I am. I don't know about you, but I am God's favorite. And so are you. I don't know how that works, but that's how it works. You are God's lead. You are God's favorite. You are special to him because he has made you unique. And for him to do what he needs us to do in spreading the gospel of the kingdom of God, he needs us to function in the role that we are called to function in. And this is, this is one of the most exciting things I get to do and that River City Church has been defined by, is that we love for people to come in, get healed, and discover what their gifts are. And then once they discover what their gifts are, we get to empower, send, equip, and support you in doing that ministry. And we used to, we, we, we used to do this thing that was awesome. And we would say, whatever God has spoken to you, it's going to be the ministry that we embrace and move forward. That our identity, when someone says, who is River City Church? They look at you. River City Church, we are you. We are the ministry that God has called you to. Every ministry that we have started, that volunteers have led, have come from something that God has placed on their heart. Okay? So Lackawanna, the White House, when we go there and serve, that started with two guys taking Egg McMuffins around to that community, and it grew from there. And in Lackawanna, what happened? There was a woman that felt God spoke to her about starting a medical clinic. The night before, I had a dream about starting a medical clinic, standing up in front of the church and saying, I had a dream about starting a medical clinic. So I stood up in the church the next day and said, I had a dream about starting a medical clinic. And this woman comes forward, he's a doctor, and said, I'm supposed to start a medical clinic. And so we started a medical clinic. And I had nothing to do with it. Nothing. It just they, it happened through them. The share shop, the same way. We have a share shop. I feel God calling me to do this. Great. Let's get behind. Resource it. Ministry after ministry. The AIF ministry. Anley, we need to meet. There's this need. Da, 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 da. I was like, great. Go for it. Let's go. And it's going crazy. The sexual you know, struggle ministry. Same thing. People coming to us saying, we have this word from the Lord. This is an area we need to deal with. There's people who are hiding. They're in dark. We need to bring them to life. And people go, oh yeah, that's the thing I'm called to. I'll take care of that. I will take charge of that. That's what it looks like. 
That's what it looks like. Your hobbies, your passions, your talents. Now, a lot of people say, no, 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 no. Those are fleshly things. You shouldn't enjoy those things. No, that's a lie. That's a lie. God's giving you passion. He's giving you desires. He's giving you things you love. He's giving you, a, a, you know, whatever that is, a hobby. He's given that to you to exercise for his glory. Now, if it gets in the way of doing that, there's no power in it, then it's a waste. Your hobbies, your talents, your gifts, whatever you do in the day, this is how you'll know there's power, is that there will be power. Because, and power always leads to conversions. Power leads to people coming to Jesus. That's why we get power. And so if you're enjoying these things and there's no power, you're not seeing them impact the kingdom of God, that might be a time of rest for you, but that's not a place to live. That's not who you're called to be. Because every gift that you have, every muscle that works in your body, every cell that worked to get you a college degree, every penny that you have, any, anything in your life that is good came from God. And you are called to exercise that goodness for God. But when you exercise those things, if there is no power in them, they will not, they will not have any impact on the kingdom of God. And they will be a waste. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't want to get before Jesus and him say, Antley man, dude, look at the gifts I've given you. Look at how good looking I made you. Look, look at your family. Look at all these things that you didn't deserve that I gave you. And in each one of those areas, I, there will be an awareness a truth that we will know in judgment, even as Christians, of what could have been. And it will not lead to guilt. It will not lead to shame. But there will be an awareness. And in that, we will experience a glory of who God made us to be in the midst of that. Okay? But that will happen. Everything that we've been given has been given for God's glory. No matter what you do, you eat, you drink, you do it for the glory of God. Everything. But if there's not power, mm-mm. And so how do we get power? Well, power comes through the gifts. The gifts of the Spirit is how we experience power. And so how do we experience, how do we figure out what our gifts are? Well, there's lots of ways. At River City Church, though, we believe the primary way that we understand our gifting, that we get, to, we get our hands around who we are in Christ, there's one way. It's the only way. It happens through different forms, is by the Holy Spirit telling us. The, the Holy Spirit is a Holy Spirit, and He tells us holy things about who we are. He is a supernatural, amazing, powerful giver of gifts. It says this in Romans. I don't have time to read it. But it says in Romans that he has been given the authority to give, to give gifts to who he wants, when he wants, and how he wants. He does it. They're supernatural. So we will not necessarily see them in the natural. You cannot look into your, into your life and say, man, I'm such a wise person. I have the gift of wisdom. No. Mm-mm. God is most glorified in you, not when you're operating from worldly strengths. God is most glorified in you when you are operating out of a weakness that he is most glorified in when people see you doing it. I was driving back from London on the way into town. A friend of mine said, that was working at this other, other church who thought I was starting a cult, and um, literally, and he started to tell me about this new pastor they had, how smart he was, he's written a book, he has four degrees, he does this, he does that, he's amazing, and all of these credentials. 
And this is exactly what I heard. I'm sure glad that I'm not him. Because, Antley, if anything happens in the church that you do, people will know that it's God. <laughs> Seriously. That's what he said. And I had just like, I got no burden then. If it happens at River City Church, if we experience anything at River City Church that is powerful, that leads to life, that leads to the kingdom growing, it will not be because of Antley's education. It will not be because of the degrees that I have. It will not be because of anything of who I am except for the gifts that God has given me, that he is filled with power, and that we experience as a family. How hard is it? How hard is it to experience or to even know that God is moving in and through you if you are so full of the world and the gifts of the world and the power of the world and the things of the world, how can you discern that? Because it will look like power. It will look like God is moving, but he won't be. It will be you moving and your power. And this is how the enemy gets us. And this is why the ministry and the power of the Spirit is so important. Now, can God use the things that we do in the world? To show us our gifts, absolutely. Absolutely. But not always. And those gifts are confirmed with power, with people telling us. You know, this guy, he's a pastor who wrote the book, and he said, he started explaining to, he's speaking to other churches, and he says, the way that you equip your church and empower your church is by making sure that they know who they are and they understand their gifts. And he says, the way they understand their gifts is by waiting on the Spirit. And then the prophetic people in your church come and tell them in the spirit who they are. Or God, the Holy Spirit, will speak to them directly about who they are. He'll tell them, this is who you are. This is what I designed you for. And he said, if we don't create space in our church service for the Holy Spirit to move and the Holy Spirit to speak to us, then this will not happen. And you will have a church that has built up the idea in the people of the church's mind that the church is the vehicle to bring transformation, not the individual. And in the 80s, this worked. Seeker churches popped up in the 80s, and lots of people came to them. But our culture has changed, and we have to get out of this mindset, just bring people along to church, and they'll experience Jesus. Hopefully they will, but that is not how the kingdom of God is moving right now. The kingdom of God is moving through individuals, into small pockets of people to bring transformation and the power of God. And for you to know who those people groups are, what those gifts are, you know, all of those things, you have to listen to the Spirit. It's the only, the Holy Spirit is the only one. He's the only one that knows. He's the only one that knows. And so we have to create space for him. And so he basically was describing prayer ministry. And I was like, yes, we're doing something right. Woo! Right? This whole book, I'm like, I oh, suck at that. Where's home? We got to get around the corner on that. And then tone comes and blows us all out of the water. We're like, are we even Christians? That's what I'm thinking. Right? I mean, that's amazing. And we hear that, and that should edify and build and courage and not shame, not guilt, right? But we, we are, what we are doing in prayer ministry, guys, is so unique. Is so unique to any other church in Jacksonville. And we love all the churches in Jacksonville. But we know at the end of the service, the worship could be horrific. The testimonies could be horrific, like we all know from time to time. The talk could be 
horrific, right? The talk could be horrific. And when we come into ministry, all bets are off. All bets are off. Because the whole time, all we need is a touch of the Spirit, is a touch of His power. And life comes, transformation comes, power comes, and we change the world as He changes us. The Spirit changes us. The Spirit tells us what our gifts are, pours out power in us, and then pours out power in the world. That's evangelism. Let's stand.